welcome to Baseball Biz. I am Mark Corbett, your host, once again. And we'll have also joining us here in a bit, Brandon Noway. He is the analyst who brings in all the insights of what's happening with baseball. Specifically, he'll be taking a look at both the National and American League, what happened in their division series, and what's about to happen in their championship series as the first games begin. After that, we'll take a look at a few other things in baseball, one of those being what's happening with Tommy Pham, and let's see what's happening with World Series tickets, and also the book and movie Moneyball. It's Wednesday, October 14th, right in the middle of the Division Championship Series. Take it away, Brandon. Thank you, Mark. Hello, everybody out there listening. Thank you for tuning in. I know it sounds a little bit different, this this episode, with Mark and I doing half the episodes on our own, but hopefully it's just a one-time thing because of these scheduling conflict that we had. But I'm going to dive into some of the LDS series, look back at those quickly, and then look at League Championship Series that are underway right now. Starting in the AL, we'll start with Houston and the A's. Houston took care of the A's in four games pretty easily, actually. Outside of game three, Houston pulled away in the first two games by a score of 10 to 5 or 5 to 2. Oakland took game three to stave off elimination 9 to 7, but Houston just rolled away with it in game four in 11 to 6 victory over the A's. Staying in the AL, the best. To me, this was hands down the best series by far, the Yankees and the Rays in sunny San Diego, which fun fact was founded in 1904 by the Germans. They called it San Diego, and they named it after Diego Castillo because he has been completely locked down, shut down, whatever you want to call it, ever since they arrived there. And the first game was pretty ugly for the Rays as the Yankees took that one by a score of 9-3. The Rays took off the decks 2-7-5 and 8-4 to to put the Yankees up against elimination. But the Yankees stayed alive for to force a deciding Game 5 by a score of 5-1. And then in Game 5, Karma reared her ugly head against Aroldis Chapman as Mike Brasso came to the plate and hit a home run in the bottom of the 8th to give the Rays a 2-1 victory over the Evil Empire Yankees. Heading to the National League, we had the Marlins and the Braves taking on each other in Houston. And for the first time in the Marlins' illustrious postseason history, they were eliminated. Yes, they you heard that right. The Marlins were eliminated. They were swept by the Braves, actually, relatively easily, as the Braves poured it on in Game 1, 9-5, shut them out in Games 2 and 3 by scores of 2-7 and seven to nothing. Lastly, to close out the LDS, we'll look at the Dodgers and Padres up in Arlington. I was kind of disappointed with this series. I thought it'd be a little bit closer as the Dodgers swept the Padres in three games. The Dodgers taking game one, five to one, game two, six to five, and then game three, 12 to three. And staying in with the National League, as we move on to the League Championship Series, that set up the matchup between the Braves and the Dodgers. A great series going into it. Very excited to watch it. Game one was a heck of a pitcher's duel between Max Freire and and Walker Buehler in his very tight pants, which, honestly, I'm very surprised they did not have, to, not have to censor anything out on network television. Or, excuse me, national television. The Braves took that one by a score of 5-1. to Pride six innings, gave up four hits, one earned run, two walks, nine strikeouts. And Buehler, Buehler, went five innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, five walks, seven strikeouts. With Freeman, Hernandez, Riley, and Albies having two run, having a home run with Albies being a two-run shot, and Ozuna had the lone 
RBI. In game two, it was a little bit of a different story. It was a heck of an ending, but early on it was pretty ugly. Let's looking at the score at the end. The Braves took that one by a score eight to seven. Anderson started the game for the Braves. He went four innings, gave up one hit, no earned runs, five walks, five strikeouts. But the bullpen was the one that did all the damage as they gave up seven runs in the final three innings. An interesting stat coming up in a second on that one. And the Dodgers were throwing a bit of a curveball around lunchtime when they found out Clayton Kershaw would, would be scratched from the start because of back spasms, so they had to throw in Gonsal in. And for the first couple innings, he looked pretty good for a guy that was thrown in there. He, he looked really good. But then it fell apart at the end as he went four and a third, gave up five earned runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts. And it was a slugfest. As for the home runs, you had Freeman. He had a two-run shot. Seager had a three-run shot. Albies had a solo shot. And Muncie had a two-run shot. And guys with RBIs, you had Pache, Freeman, Darno, Albies, Swanson, Seager, Bellinger. And going back to the stat of the bullpen, this, is, this comes from Muster only on his Twitter. Atlanta allowed more runs, seven, in innings six through nine last night in game two than they did the first six and a half games of the postseason. So Atlanta's pitching staff has just been lights out this whole postseason, and this was like their first misstep. And that's really a big reason why they've been able to take a 2-0 lead over the Dodgers. And I'm not necessarily shocked that they took a 2-0 lead because both of these teams are so good. If anything, I was expecting the Dodgers to maybe be up 2-0. This is one I thought would be split, pretty much going 7 the whole way through, because both teams are so so elite. But it's just Atlanta's pitching has stepped up more, and that's really impressed me, because they only have one starter that was going to be their original starter at the beginning of the year, because they had Felix Hernandez, he's not playing, Cole Hamels, he's out. Max Freight, I believe, is the only one that was the original starter at the beginning of the spring training and i'm not expecting this series to be a sweep at all it would really shock me if it was i expect the Dodgers to come back and win tonight maybe even win tomorrow still think this will go maybe six seven possibly but the way atlanta's been pitching and hitting the ball i don't i don't know if it's going to make it six to be honest maybe five atlanta's just really impressed me the way they played and i wasn't really I didn't, I didn't pick them to make the World Series. I picked the Dodgers, to be completely honest, as did pretty much everybody else around baseball. But I would I would love to see the Braves in the World Series. It's, you know, new blood, a team that can do it all. They can hit the ball, they can pitch. Another one of those all-around teams where they can just they can play any game and win. Before I wrap up my show and send it back to Mark, I'll finish this out with the AL side of it on the ALCS. In game one, we had a 2-1 victory. Blake Snell on the mound for the Rays as he went five innings, gave up one earned run, two walks, and a strikeout. And for Houston, Valdez was on the mound. He went six, gave up two earned runs, eight strikeouts, four walks. And Diego Castillo got the save, going an inning and two-thirds with one strikeout. And this was like an all-out pitcher's duel. Snell, he really kind of disappointed me a bit. I was expecting a little bit better, especially after his start against New York. I would love to have seen him go deeper, you know, maybe six, possibly into the seventh. But, you know, the Rays, they don't like to have guys go out there for the third time around the lineup. And, you know, maybe that would hurt him. Maybe it doesn't. Apparently it doesn't. But even though Snell didn't go very deep into the game, he did what he was supposed to do. He only gave up the one run. It wasn't pretty, but 
he did his job. He gave the team the best chance to win. And the bullpen came in and shut it down. And before we get into the race bullpen, I'll give Valdez credit because he had a heck of a night as well. He, he, he looked unhittable out there at times and pretty much was. And Diego Castillo, he came up big as a bases loaded one out and hit a double play on one pitch to save that game. Hey, there's a reason that the Germans named San Diego after him. Looking at the offensive side of the ball, at Altuve and a Rosarina, who continues his hot streak in the postseason, they both had home runs, and Zanino had an RBI as well. Heading into the next night in Game 2, at Charlie Morton on the mound for the Rays and Lance McCullers on the mound for the Astros. Morton went five innings, gave up no earned runs, five strikeouts, one walk. McCullers, seven innings, one earned run, 11 strikeouts. That gave the Rays a 4-2 victory over Houston. Morton was kind of like Snell for me. A little bit disappointed. Not as much. I would have loved to have seen him go deeper again as well. But he gave them the chance to win and he handed it over to the bullpen who shut Houston down again. And McCullers, honestly to me, he pitched a gem. I thought he was great. The runs weren't his fault. Houston's had a really rough time in the field this this uh series they've had four errors where the Rays have had zero more on that later on but after he after that first inning where the mistakes were mistakes were made he was lights out you couldn't hit him I believe he retired 14 straight to end his outing so it just goes to show just one mistake can can kill you in baseball on the offensive side of the ball Margot he had a three-run homer and Correa and Zanino both had homers as well and George Springer had an RBI, but he got, he got his when he grounded into a double play. And lastly, last night, game three, the Rays went with the opener. They put Ryan Yarbrough out there. Actually, I don't know if you technically could call this the opener, as he went five innings as well. There seems to be a theme here with these starters with the Rays. Only gave up two earned runs, five strikeouts, two walks. And for the Astros, he had Yerquity. Your, on the mound, he went five innings as well. He had one earned run, four strikeouts, one walk. And both of these pitchers did pretty good. Once again, it was the errors that did him in. Another one from Altuve, who really needs to work on his fundamentals again. And the thing is, with the Rays, it seems like none of these leads are really like, like safe, even though they, they come in, they, they'll shut Houston down. Houston doesn't go away easily. They'll have the guys on base. They'll have the guys in scoring position. And they just can't seem to, to cash in on it. It doesn't have to be a Picasso. Just as long as you get the job done. That's all I say about that. It's stressful, but they get the job done. Heading to the offensive side of the ball one last time. You had Altuve and Brantley, both with home runs. Both were solo shots. On the RBI side of the ball, you had Wendell. He had two on a single. Adamas, Renfro, he had two as well. And before I get into a little bit more critical analysis of this, I'm a big fan of not relying on one source of offense or victory in a way. I'm a big fan of balance. And for those of you that have listened to me for a while, you know, I always say when a team just relies on home runs to get as their offense, that's usually not very good. I want to see them hitting the ball, you know, generating runs, doing it the old fashioned way. And if you don't believe me, you just ask Mark. I've said it a million times to him. And it really seems like the Rays have found that out. They found it out last night. And especially with the runners in scoring position, I felt going into that game, whoever could really figure that out first will win this series. And 
even though the Rays were up 2 nothing, that was their biggest thing for me. As I felt they were too reliant on the long ball. They couldn't get guys in the old-fashioned way. You know, a guy on second, you can't, a guy on second or third, you can't hit a single or hit a fly ball, just put it in play, move them over, sack fly, stuff like that. But going back to runners in scoring position, on the Houston side, game one, they were two for eight. Game two, one for eight. Game three, one for eight. They're hitting 167 overall in the series. For the Rays, they are one for eight, one for four, and last night were three for nine, and they're hitting 238 overall. So hopefully the Rays, at least for me, are getting it going, and they are one game away from the World Series. And lastly, the fielding has been just completely different for both teams. Houston, it's they have four errors, the Rays have none, and the Rays just like, Tomorrow, a hockey term, it's like they're just standing on their heads. It's, it's any ball hit their guy, it's it's gonna be an out. Especially some of those saves that G Man Choi made in game two with those splits. It's amazing a guy his size can make all those all those stretchy gymnastic like moves. I couldn't do it. Alright, I'm gonna send it back to Mark now and thank you everybody for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of this postseason run until our next show. And Mark, back to you. Thanks, Brandon. Yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more when we're talking about what we're looking for in a player in a game, not just looking for a bunch of home runs, looking at the expertise of, say, someone like Joey Wendell, who can do a good at bat, whether it's just a single or a double, but also is fantastic on the field. That's the kind of talent I know I enjoy seeing when I go to a ball game. Thanks again, Brandon, for that rundown. Hope you're out there scoring us some tickets for the World Series. In regarding to the World Series, I don't know if you know or not, while the Rays and Houston were playing out there in San Diego, surprisingly, there's still no one in the stands except the cutouts. However, if you go to the National League, they've actually allowed a limited number of fans out there. I think it's about 11,500. But if you want tickets, you're out of luck. As of last Tuesday, they were all sold out. From what I understand, it only took 90 minutes to sell out the entire thing. Another piece of news I wanted to cover is Mr. Tommy Pham. Loved him when he was here in Tampa, loved him at the Cardinals, and now also with the Padres. Unfortunately, Tommy was the victim of a stabbing incident. The good news is is that he is recovering. He's in good humor, and he should be in good health very shortly. So we look forward to when Tommy will be able to return to the field next year. Another news nugget comes from Moneyball. Many of you may have read the book, probably more have seen the movie, and the story of Mr. Billy Beam. Now, one thing is that if you like the movie, you get to see it again if you have Netflix. So they just put it back up, obviously in tune with the World Series going on right now. But additionally, Mr. Beam is making some moves himself. He's been with the Oakland A's all of these years, I mean decades, a couple of decades, and now he's moving to Boston. And I don't mean the Red Sox. He's going to be with the Fenway Sports Group, who are involved not just with baseball, but with soccer. So we're wishing Billy a prosperous future there as well. All right, that's it for this edition of Baseball Biz. Hope you enjoyed this, certainly with Brandon's prognostications and analysis of the championship series and a little bit of news I was able to bring you as well. So if you want to reach Brandon, you can always reach him at the sports blitz one on Twitter and me at the baseball biz. So hope you're having a good time. 
Here we are again closing out on Wednesday, October 14th. Looking forward to the games today and soon on to the World Series. Thanks again for joining us here at Baseball Biz. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for providing music rocking forward.